Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 122. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Enterprise's first season's final two episodes. <laughs> uh, two Days and Two Nights and Shockwave Part 1. Here we go. Two Days and Two Nights, Season 1, Episode 25, Production Number 125, Original Air Date, May 15th, 2002, Directed by Michael Dorn, Story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, Teleplay by Chris Black, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Kelly Waymeyer as crewman Elizabeth Cutler, Dennis Cockrum as Freebus, Jeff Mead as Dion Male, Rudolph Martin as Ravis, Donna Marie Recco as Dion Female, Stephen Wozniak as Latia Male, Joseph Will as crewman Michael Rostov, James Ingersoll as Ryzen Man, Day Young as Kayla, and Jennifer Williams as Ryzen Woman. Finally arriving at planet Ryza, the weary Enterprise crew eagerly embarks on a long overdue shore leave on the tropical paradise for two days and two nights. As some of the crew needs to stay aboard and run the ship, Captain Archer institutes the drawing of lots to determine who can take leave. Winning a vacation himself, Archer feels both guilty for taking a break and also suffers from premature separation anxiety for leaving the Enterprise. With the comfort of DePaul remaining aboard, the captain is finally able to board the shuttle pod along with Trip, Reed, Mayweather, and Hoshi. Did Colonel Gratt send you? Who? I suppose it's possible you don't know him. You were in the detention camp I was sent to. It was filled with innocent Sulaban. Grat asked me the same questions you've been asking, except he was a little more aggressive. Caesar, how about you start us off? I believe you said this was your favorite episode of the season. <laughs> oh yes, my absolute favorite episode, maybe of the entire series. No, um, yeah, this might be my least favorite of the entire season. I know you uh, you disliked one early on. I don't know if you still feel the same way, or if, if you even liked this one, or you didn't like it. But after all the build up over the last. Um, Several oh, about going to Riza. About going to Riza. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one was actually a pretty boring episode. Um, couldn't really figure out what it was about, and it didn't really even have a plot to it. So, I would say my best grade for this episode would be D minus. And um, <laughs> what I alluded to <laughs> earlier, is it? <laughs> what I alluded to, alluded to earlier is like, why only five people got to take a vacation? I guess maybe more crew got to go, and we just didn't see I assume him. we just don't see him. They said half, but it is kind of favoritism when it seems like the vast majority of the senior staff get to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did they, Why could they only stay for two days? There was no reasoning like, well, we have to get here. And, you know, so it's like they've been going for 10 months, you know. You <laughs> get a week. But anyway, um, um, the episode, I think the only thing I found amusing about the episode is when um, they had to wake Phlox up from his um, hibernation. I found that amusing, chuckled a little bit. But other than that, I found the episode to be kind of boring. It kind of drug on. It was a little cliche with um, with um, Trip and Reed, their little encounter on the bar. Just, I don't know. Just And I don't know what was going on with Archer. I'm assuming that we see this character again later on nope. he ran into. Nope. We nope. don't? Nope. We don't, so, uh, don't nope. really understand the purpose of that. So, <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, none of them even really talk about what they did. So, and um, did why didn't Trip and Reed like at least take a shower and change clothes? It seems like they just you know went from the basement straight to the shuttle pad. But anyway, 
I'll let somebody else. Yeah, what's funny is, I mean, aside from everything else, even if this was the greatest episode ever, it's still bizarre that, like, Ryza looks pretty lame in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, with with less money and less sets, I, I assume, um, like Ryza was much cooler on Next Gen and DS9. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just they they improved. I mean, the two hundred years, you know, uh-huh. you'd hope it get better. You know? No, well, I enjoyed the dog scenes too. Like, first off, how did that little dog get up to? Archer. I want to see that scene. I want to see yeah, it do like... the jump. Yeah. <laughs> and then the little growling. Between the well, two. obviously, he looks like a regular dog, but they wouldn't have regular dogs on Tandaria or wherever she was from. Right. So he's actually an alien dog and he can levitate. Yeah, alien jumping dogs. But he he just looks completely like a regular dog. Mm-hmm. Much like like she looks dog. pretty pretty human except for her spots. Yeah. Yep. 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 Steve, what are some of your first thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's hard to say predictable given I've seen it before, you know, but it's it, it's just kind of that thing like, what do you think is going to happen if these people go to Ryza and it's exactly what happens, number one. And number two, there's no, I mean, except for, okay, they do make reference to another episode, you know, they, you know, there's the, the theme going on there, the string with the whole Sullivan and then the episode that had, uh, um, uh, Dean Stockwell in it and that kind of stuff. Well, that's cool to have some continuity or whatever, but it's just, it, there's no point to it and there's very little of it. And so it's almost just like, it feels very soap opera-ish and silly. You know, there's, there, there are a few amusing, amusing parts. I do like flocks and the hibernation stuff. I like the, uh, um, I, I thought the funniest thing was when DePaul talked <laughs> talked about alien hospitals and yep, in hospitals in San Francisco. DePaul still the funniest crew member yeah. on Enterprise <laughs> by far. Yeah, <laughs> alien hospital. Yes, in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just just not not much to it otherwise. I also I also liked how we got to hear about all these cool things that they went and did, but we didn't get to see any of it. I mean, obviously, you know, they're not going to show everything, but they'd always come back like, "Oh, that boat was awesome. The dinner was great. Oh, that festival was great. It was awesome." And then it's then you just hear about. You know. yeah, that, that's not a very good strategy, is it? I mean, just uh, here's stuff you didn't see and talk, and that's better than anything you saw. You know, that's yeah. Not- I'm sure to an extent some of that is you know it's near the end of the season. Right. They're they always run out of money to the end of the season, yet they always want to do something big for the finale of the season. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the episode was hurt by money. Yeah. But I just think it's boring writing. I think it's yeah. I think it's in in fact I think it's um I think at the time I didn't particularly care for this episode, but I think it's aged very poorly. Mm-hmm. Every time it cuts to Trip and Reed in that bar, it looks like it's in it's out of the 80s <laughs> feels like feels like it's out of the 80s and it's so cheesy there's like they're just two guys trying to get laid <laughs> which should that be that difficult at Riza? i mean you get i know understand. i mean don't you need a horgon and you'd be good I, yeah i thought you, you figure a place like that really if you're paying for it you know you get that vibe where you should just be able to show up and snap your fingers and you're done i mean do you really is that enjoyable going through all that i don't know it's um so it's almost like you know i don't want to say it's offensive it doesn't go that far it's definitely cheesy i'm just saying it feels almost um even inappropriate doesn't seem quite right but there's something 
slightly uncomfortable about even watching those sequences. Like it, 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 it was okay in 1960s TV, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you could just say it's kind of sexist. Too. Kind of yeah, fun. it's like, yeah, so yeah, I guess it's a little, a little sexist in 2002, mm-hmm. you know. And I think when I say it, it doesn't age well, hasn't aged well, you know, I look at that scene to today, and it's even more um, dated, I guess. I mean, I think I think they may have been going for. Um, tr- trying to play against that with the fact that um, Hoshi is the only character that we follow on Ryza that's that basically got lucky and unapologetically, and that's all good. You know, I mean, I think they may have been trying to say something with that, but it's you know, you kind of lose it in all the other. Nonsense. But even that, it's kind of. I mean, of course, she's the hot chick. She's the one, the one person on that shuttle pod that would be guaranteed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if she wanted. That's all I mean. Right, right. right. <laughs> that's all you're saying, Brian. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even that is a little bit, um, I don't know, sexist in the other direction. I'm talking out of my butt now. But anyway, <laughs> something feels off kilter about their scenes and makes me just a hair like, like I don't, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I think a little bit higher of them. Um, even you know Archer. Those scenes are, they are, you see where they're, you see them coming, they're, they're kind of boring. Uh-huh. She's so on the nose with her stuff. You like, sus, you're, you're suspicious early on. And it's, I guess it's just, the whole episode is just, um, just like I said, it hasn't aged well. It feels boring. Uh, I don't like the writing. Even the stuff that, I don't know, shouldn't have bothered me, starts to bother me when there's so much other stuff that does. Um, Hoshi's guy. Uh, when he kisses her, kisses her, and she's like, "That's called the kiss." I just like, ugh. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go vomit it. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I agree. The the flock stuff is is funny. It is, um, but it's of course this is the episode where they go to Riza, and the only thing that really works is um, the stuff with flocks in the ship. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as we said, Tapo, funniest. You know, Flox is unintentionally funny. T'Pol's trying to be funny, <laughs> which is funny in itself since she's a Falcon. Um, so, I don't know. There, there are some lines, even some lines. Yeah, I wrote down some lines. I'm like, this is just a weird line. <laughs> when, uh, I don't remember the, the girl's name, but his neighbor with the dog, when she first comes over, because her dog is on, has magically gotten up to um, Archer's balcony, and she says, I'm sorry to bother you, but I think my dog is on your deck. Hmm. That just—think about that line. I want to say like, wait, what? <laughs> Where is your dog? Oh my God, that's what. If just it's a it's a weird line. It's like, I don't know. It doesn't. It's a it's a weird line. I'm sorry to bother you, but I think my dog is on your deck. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think the seeing flocks in hibernation is, is, is a cool concept, not just funny, but that stuff's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, oh God. I don't have a lot more to say. I, I've, I think this episode is, is kind of unpleasant. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's on one hand, I talk about that. I really like, uh, you know, as a trekker, versus the Trekkie. I like going on the journey. I like believing in the universe. 
part of that is sometimes seeing more mundane stuff on the ship. Um, the thought of them going on vacation is, is interesting to me. And in the original series, um, the episode Shore Leave, it wasn't necessarily one of my favorites, but I always really liked how everybody got their moment in it. I thought I, I, I've always remembered it for that reason. You know what I mean? Like every crew member, you, you get some cool insight in every single crew member. Um, so even even not being one of my favorite episodes, and believe me, I know most people really love Shoreleaf. Um, even not being one of my favorite episodes, I really enjoy watching it. And I really get something out of it. Um, but here it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. The the writing really suffered on this. I don't know if it, like budgetary, they were in a hurry to get through it, so they got to the last episode. I don't know. Maybe they just suffered from the fact that they've done so many other Rise episodes in the other series that they had a hard time finding something original to do with this without, you know, I don't know. It just, um, it well, was I just mean, very flat. Yeah. I mean, when you have, you talk about wanting to see the mundane and kind of the day-to-day stuff, but, but when it's less interesting than if you actually went to a resort <laughs> in this year and now and just looked out the window and saw what was going on, then something's wrong when this is supposed to be 150 years in the future. And I mean, it's, you know, you just, it was so, it's kind of like you talk like the, like the Archer stuff was so predictable. It's, it's almost like a game. Like what's, what's the, you know, like what can I, what can a guy say to be the least offensive, most charming to ultimately get the girl thing and you, you wait for it. Oh, good job. You know, it's like a game score. You know, that, that's, that was the whole thing. That's what it felt like to me, you know, with him and her. I don't know. I mean, um, I didn't really recall this episode that well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, all these things will connect. Maybe, you know, the alien, cause I think the aliens that I'm ripped off tripping um, and read, I was like, okay, maybe they're kind of all working in conclusion collusion and i don't know maybe that would have been a little bit more interesting episode that they were together to try to i don't know get something from these guys i don't know like i said it just i got halfway through the episode i'm like oh none of this is relating to each other they're just their own separate stories that are kind of going nowhere and i'm it's kind of why i felt like there's not really a plot to this episode there's not like a you know the three there's not a climax conclusion it just kind of yeah it's just there's nothing there. And I find myself looking at things that are just have nothing to do with anything, like wondering why does everyone have the same underwear? Why, yeah. you know, is that a requirement or the, <laughs> the, the strange things about when they try to make fashion look futuristic. So they just like change one thing, you know, like blazers that are too long or, you know, things like that, you know, and that's, that's mm-hmm. what I remember. I, I, I was wondering why the, I was wondering why the Ryzen's had stickers on their forehead. Hmm. The, thing, <laughs> the, you know. the kind of stuff that you wouldn't, could care less about you know you would mm-hmm. not care at all about if the episode was firing on all cylinders yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and we're and, and let me get the reed and um and um tucker were down in that basement for a night and a whole day and the whole, so they were tied up down there for literally like probably like 30 hours i don't nobody went down to the cellar to restock there's like you said these are little things that you start to think about because there's nothing else to think mm-hmm. about in the episode i'm like so they were down there for quite a while in their underwear Yeah, you, know, you talk about like you, you, it'd be more interesting to go to a current resort and you know look out and be like, uh, um, 
uh, what is the next gen episode? Is it Captain's Holiday? Is that the one where he goes mm-hmm. to rise? Mm-hmm. And then the DS9 episode. Boy, I can't remember the name of that one, but you know where Worf and Dax go. Yeah. Um, both those episodes is like, man, I want to go there. Yeah, yeah. Even even here, uh, Enterprise. The very next episode, when he flashes in Shockwave, when he when he goes back in time or flashes back, whatever it is, and he's in his apartment, he looks out like, holy crap, I want to live there. Yeah, oh my God. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's cool. You know, this episode, <laughs> I feel like, like, I don't know. It was a, it was one of the episodes on Miami Vice that got bad ratings. You know, they <laughs> yeah. watched that. That's what it. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um. So. So not not a good episode. One that kind of just that. I can't even say it misses the mark because I'm not really sure where it was aiming for. Not, not like move along home bad. No, we're beyond that, of course. But. Um, you know, and I think this is also one that uh, at the time that it first aired. People didn't necessarily like it, but I don't. I think it took time for people to. Even Brandon Bragg, I saw an interview with him. Like at the time, he thought it was great, and then more recently, he was like, "God, the episode's boring." <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just like I said. I think this episode just not. It just has not aged well. Do you guys have anything for what it's about? I kind of wonder if they're just going for that you you don't get what you expect or something just because of the, the varying stories that everyone went down and had obviously got out of it, but not what they expected, but that's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I couldn't figure out what, what it was really about, what they were trying to go for. I mean, even guessing would be difficult. Alrighty then. Let's move on to six degrees for two days and two nights. Um, Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Day Young plays Kayla, Archer's buddy with a dog. <laughs> In DS9's fifth season, she played an undercover Idanian agent named Arissa. Which DS9 crew member does Arissa have a thing with? Odo. You are correct. A simple investigation. That's why I didn't name the episode. If I thought it might make Odo too easy. <laughs> uh, Steve Kelly Waymeyer returned as Elizabeth Cutler, Flox's sometimes assistant and all-around swell crew member. How many times did she play the role? This was her final appearance as Cutler. Oh wow! Um, three. You are correct. The other episodes were Strange New World and Dear Doctor. Yeah, she uh, she died a few months after this episode. She was only thirty six. Oh, oh yeah, I read some about yeah. that. Yeah, heart rhythmia. So, all right. Um, yes, yeah, very sad actually, because she was cool. Shockwave Part One, Season One, Episode Twenty Six, Production Number One Twenty Six. Original air date May Twenty Third, Two Thousand Two. Directed by Alan Croker. Written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include John Fleck as Silic, Matt Winston as Temporal Agent Daniels, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, James Horan as Humanoid Figure, Stephanie Erb as Receptionist, and David Lewis Hayes as Tactical Crewman. <laughs> Eager to visit the deep space colony of a race called the Paragonians, Captain Archer leads an away team towards the surface of an alien planet. While plodding the shuttle pod into the atmosphere, Reed proceeds cautiously as he follows the Paragonian landing protocols precisely. 
a necessity due to the high concentration of the volatile gas tetrazine at a certain altitude. He closes the shuttle pod's plasma vents as instructed, but just then the shuttle pod is rocked by a deafening explosion and a massive shockwave scorches the planet beneath them. After getting back to Enterprise safely, the distraught team learns the colony of 3,600 people has been obliterated. With all due respect, sir, this is a level of quantum engineering that's beyond anything I ever learned. How the hell do you know this? Remember Crewman Daniels? Yeah? I saw him get vaporized by our friend Silic. Well, for a cloud of vapor, he's one wealth of information. Shockwave, part one. Steve, your turn to kick us off. Well, I thought this was uh, pretty exciting as for the first uh, kind of cliffhanger season cliffhanger for Enterprise. Um, you've got you come back to the over, the overarching theme of the temporal Cold War. Uh, Daniels, which were you know seeing his quarters again, that was all fun. Um, see the Solabon again. Um, certainly, uh, I think a pretty. Uh, tense opening you know the teaser and you you know what's you know what they've done and you know it's kind of uh it's kind of a big deal it's uh it's it's very weighty to imagine just oops we killed several thousand people just like that and and uh and dealing with ramifications and interesting to see um how archer handles that as a leader he obviously takes things he uh he certainly wears his heart on his sleeve and so you see some of that um so yeah, I, I thought I thought it's it's definitely an actiony kind of episode, and it's fun, entertaining. Adam, some of your first thoughts? Um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with Steve. Uh, I felt kind of the same way. Um, I <clears throat> to add on to that, I, I enjoyed the scenes with um, to Paul and Archer. You know, they've been building um, this um, dynamic between the two of them in this um, in the season. Um, you know, captain, first officer. You know, and we see her, you know, we see her kind of motivate her captain finally, you know, mm-hmm. you see like this coalescence of really trust and bond, bond between the two of them. And she, she, by this point, truly believes in him. I mean, I think we got to that point um, several episodes, um, several episodes ago, but it's just reinforced here. And um, they just, um, they kind of keep going with that theme, this, this really good um, dynamic that they have going between the two of them at the top of the command. I like this episode more than I'd remembered liking it. You know, it is it is a it is a fun episode. Um, there's really some good effects work. You know, some cool stuff to look at. That's for sure. I've talked many times. I think about I like it when I kind of Archer takes command because he he kind of does it in a different way from everybody else. Um, Archer is almost like like this meeting point between Picard and Kirk. He's definitely got some emotion, but he's also very uh, you know on the Kirk side. But he's also very um, He's lighthearted at times. I mean, not lighthearted. Maybe that's not the right term, but he can be. But he he is an intellectual some, to an extent. Do you think he's similar? Do you think he's similar to Cisco on the fact that he's um he gets down kind of you know he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve like Steve was mentioning because he was pretty upset. I think he's just he's more of a a doer. You know, he takes action, and I think if I was under him, I would I would happily do it everything he asked and i would you know i wouldn't feel like i needed to ask why or you know i think he's an interesting commander and he doesn't do it often he's not always like this uh so i like it when he does it i don't know um the the one kind of weird thing is 
there's so much of this episode where he's just following Daniel's directions. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think it takes a little bit away from his character because he's not, you know, in a weird way, he's not making choices. Yeah. Um, I guess he makes the choice to trust Daniels. And holy crap, he sure did memorize a lot of stuff in a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a good job, you know. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, right down to where those little cylindrical, or not cylindrical, those little CDs. Um, <laughs> yeah, the mini CDs or whatever they are. Um, but, you know, I like him. I guess that's what I'm saying is I like Archer. And I don't always remember this show as I like Archer. I don't always remember it that way. Um, I think part of it is because in that third season he becomes, I remembered him as becoming Angry Archer. Yeah, Angry Archer. And the show starts off that he's Angry Archer. You know, how many times do we keep track of how many times he threatened to knock somebody on their ass? (laughs) (laughs) That's all he's doing. But, But here, this is the Archer I like. I like this Archer and I think I think this is probably who he is more than anyone else. You know, in the first half of the episode, he's, um, like you said, Steve, you know, he's, uh, he feels for these people. He's, he's, he, that, that they, that he thinks they killed, um, he feels for his subordinates that he's destroyed their mission. He feels responsible. Um, and yet when, when it comes time to take some action, he's hundred percent commander and archer and, and, and does what needs to be done, and um, and I like him. I like him here. I wish I wish this was how he. You know, I wish we saw this these sides of him more. I guess, but we get him here. Um, well, I think you know when he's when he's being emotional or he's showing that he he cares. You know, he's not just being completely stoical or whatever. He, he's a. Uh, you know, he's he's human and he, he's feeling things that on some level everyone else in the crew's got to be feeling too. And then it just makes it when he decide when it's assertive and there's action to be taken and we're going to do something about this or whatever. It makes everyone I think even more uh, on board with what he with his orders and his his choices. So it's it's funny. This really does feel it, for as much of an action episode as it is, especially that last third of the show, Archer trip to Pow. They board that Sullivan ship and all that. That's that's cool and fun, and I like it. Um, but this really feels like an Archer episode. Yeah, I'd agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, and I don't remember. Maybe the I don't remember the next episode, so maybe it's fantastic. But I don't know it. Uh, the other shows, I don't think they did cliffhangers at the end of their first seasons. Um, right. I almost think it wasn't necessary, but I don't know. Maybe it could, like I said, maybe it goes somewhere really awesome. But you know, once they're headed, once they've figured they've they've got the data from the Sulaban ship and they're on their way to that Vulcan cruiser, and then we get Future Guy telling uh, Silic um, capture Archer and Ar- and then Archer uh, gets teleported or whatever to the future I think it actually I would have been satisfied had it ended when with them on their way to that Vulcan ship I guess um, unlike say best of both worlds here the cliffhangery part because there did feel to be 
like kind of a resolution before that, the cliffhangery part feels like an add-on, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have been satisfied without it. Um, it doesn't feel as integrated into the main storyline because we've already achieved that. We The main storyline was everybody thinks we're responsible for the death of these colonists and our mission has been canceled. And now we have determined and we can prove that we were not responsible for the death of those colonists. And so presumably our mission will be <laughs> resumed. Uh, that felt like the story and that seemed like it was ended. Um, but, you know, it's not terrible and maybe the next episode is fantastic. I don't remember. I maybe enjoyed I enjoyed, I enjoyed Daniel's Dune costume. <laughs> yeah, I think that shouldn't he be drinking out of something or something. <laughs> <laughs> this future episode, future costume. Um, so it's funny, you know, we've we've had this before, like when there's episodes with big, big bouts of action. You know, we don't have as as much to say because there's not as much to say about action, even if it's good action and we like it. You know, what do you do with action? A play-by-play? -play? I don't know. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I had this image the other day. I don't know why it popped in my head. Like, I think I, I regretted a little bit the way that I structured, and it was my fault, but the way I structured, I'm sure you guys do not remember this, the way I structured our Star Trek Into Darkness conversation, because I wanted to do it so that we went through the whole movie but because so much of the movie was action that was probably a boring way to do it <laughs> hey maybe uh, you know a year from now we'll be talking about the next movie uh i i won't do it that way well the, that whole scene i mean if you want to talk about it a little bit that whole scene is really it's put together well it's fast-paced um when they board the ship Suleban ship, it's almost like yeah. a Mission Impossible scene, you know, they almost, you can almost hear the dun, 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 dun going. <laughs> um, so um, it's very paced very well. Sometimes you'll get action scenes that you're just like, eh, what's, what are they doing here? But this one paced very well. It actually had suspense to it, even though you knew, Archer knew everything what he was going through. It's well, there's suspense to... because we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what they're there for. I think that's what what's kept it fun for me. Um sometimes when it's spelled out uh, it's not as exciting if we know exactly what they're there for so that was cool yeah no it's it's good it's fun and like I said I yes I wish they have rendered it at 1080 instead of 720 but uh, the effects are fantastic I think the effects are really good right even right at the very beginning when um, the plasma the atmosphere gets ignited you know and the shuttle pod is kind of spinning that's cool looking. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, you would think, though, if um, decimation of your entire colony is a possibility, there would be a better way. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, yes, it was not the shuttle pod's fault, but still, what if somebody, you know, if anybody showing up could accidentally kill all 3,600 of you, you would think they would they would have a better protocol. I don't know. Yeah, it's Space kinda, elevator. Right, it's kind of the equivalent of if someone uh, comes into your neighborhood without a muffler and blows everything up or something. You know, I mean, it's like here's a sign: be sure to you know do this. You know, it's it's yeah. too too yeah. easy. Make sure you don't. Okay, <laughs> I forgot one time. Oh well, but I only forgot one time. <laughs> <laughs> if you add more people, 
Um, what's this episode about? They did a bit. What's this episode <laughs> about? I would say that <clears throat> for since we kind of decided this was an Archer episode, um, for I don't know, it was kind of a how would I explain this? Um, you know, we see Archer down on, I mean, really, I mean, you know, and rightfully so, you know, um, 3,600 people have been killed. Um, everything points to the Enterprise being responsible. The mission is, you know, is coming to an end. And and all throughout the series, we've seen Archer be very defiant defiant towards, you know, Vulcans and everything like that. And you see him um, just basically almost not, I wouldn't necessarily giving up, but just kind of like defeated in a way. And um Yes, he does get a message from the future telling him what to do, but I guess it's just about coming overcoming obstacles, um, insurmountable obstacles um, as a team. Um, and then what else do you got, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I see where you're going with that. And I think, like you mentioned earlier, I think the kind of the heart of it is really to Paul, you know, encouraging him to, um, you know, to not just not just give up and and say that's it. You know, I mean. They, he had, you know, it's one of those things about if you really believe in something, you know, a setback isn't going to, even as big of a setback as possibly being responsible for, you know, over a thousand deaths. But um, looking at the big picture and seeing, okay, um, you know, let's let's look into this. What are we? What have we done right? What have we done wrong? What are we about? And kind of believing in yourself, pushing forward. I mean, I think that. I think that's kind of the heart of the episode. Although, I mean, we think of it mostly as an action thing, but you know, I think that's kind of the um, you know the element that's really got some depth to it. You know, it's fun too that after this first season, they did they clearly were uh, looking back, reflecting on the the rest of the season. You know, he talks many times about the last ten months, and then you know, of course, he go Daniel takes him to. <clears throat> his apartment uh the night before the first episode took place you know um so it, it is nice that they that they're tying kind of the whole season together um even even uh the cold war temporal cold war stuff which i never really got into you know i i think that this isn't in this episode it's kind of used in one of the in, in, it's one of the better times they use it. It's one of, used in one of its. It's one of the better examples of the temporal cold war, and when it does work, you know, because um, it's it's an interesting. I guess because you've got you've got Archer doing what Daniels has told him to do, and then you've got Silic doing what Future Guy is telling him to do, you know. So there there is a balance there that makes it kind of interesting and. Anyway, I'm not trying to get off too much back on the conversation after we did our what it's about, but I, I wanted to bring up that I, I like that they took the time to kind of reflect on the whole season in this episode very mm-hmm. consciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's awful. You know, if we go back to the first episode, um, you know, first episodes, it was Archer convincing to Paul that humans deserve to be out there. And by the end of the, the, the season, it's to Paul <laughs> telling Archer that humans deserve to be out here. So yeah, exactly. it's, uh, it, it's, it's a really good um good way to kind of come full circle in the season cool all right well let's do six degrees for shockwave let's see adam went first last time yep steve um 
Stephanie Erb plays the receptionist that Archer contacts about Flocks when he is sort of in the past, but not really, and with a guy that is kind of dead, but not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Next Gen's sixth season, she played Leva in the episode Man of the People. Leva, like another of the Enterprise crew, like a member of the Enterprise crew, is the target of a diplomat that deposits dark stuff in women's brains, which Enterprise crew member took the brunt of Vass Alcar. Troy? You're correct. It was Troy. Uh, by the way, I didn't even confirm. Let's see. Oh, you guys both got your questions last time, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So, Adam, you need, you need this to tie up for the day. Uh, Matt Winston returns as Daniels. How many times will he play the role? Uh, I'll give you multiple choice. Four, eight, twelve. I'm going to say eight. You're correct. It was eight. Tie for the day. Yay! We're both winners. You mm-hmm. both winner. You both get a medal. Yep. <laughs> um, let's do a real brief kind of recap here in season one. Um, <clears throat> well, Broken Bow is a fantastic pilot. It's I really think it's really good. It's if it's not the best Star Trek pilot, it's probably the second best, um, and it might be the best. I don't know. Um, so I, and I think it really holds up, and and it's a great start to the season, and I just I like it. I think it's still very good. Uh, overall, the first season probably is, you know, it's not. It doesn't seem like super strong, but it it has a few standout episodes. You know, I, I still think Dear Doctor is probably my favorite episode of the season. Um, Fallen Hero is a close second. Um, Broken Bow is probably up there. Um, Terra Nova and Two Days and Two Nights are probably <laughs> Adam's favorites from the season. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say if we would compare this first season, if we compare first seasons with all the, I mean, clearly we'll get to to um, the original Star Trek and Voyager, but of the three that we've done so far, DS9 and Next Gen, I would say just the first season alone, it probably had a stronger <clears throat> first season than the, um, DS9 and Next Gen. Enterprise's first season is stronger than DS9's and Next Gen. I would, that would be my opinion. Just to, to yeah. See. yeah, if you somehow rated episodes in terms of great, good, or bad, or whatever, you know, I mean, you've got, you got some, I mean, you you got at least a great, maybe a couple. You have uh, uh, some very goods, you know, and there's just not too many first seasons in track where they've got too much of any of that, you know, just kind of mediocre well, and stuff. The original series being the yes, yeah, exception. But, exception. but yeah, I would agree with that. There's nothing in Next Gen's first season that's Dear Doctor quality, no doubt about that. Um, but. And aside from, I still, I still think that um, DS9 has the best. Um, pilot um of all the series yeah I, but broken bow is a close second it's um it's it's a good it's a really good good yeah. episode um so yeah there are a couple of couple that we don't care for here but yeah you're right you know if we compare it to the other star trek series um I i'm think just saying for a season i'm not <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think what <clears throat> i think i think what's hurt it over the years is um, you know, it, it, next gen beget uh, DS9, and from there we got um, Voyager, and from there we went to Enterprise. And in some ways, everything improved so much each time. And I, I don't necessarily, if I compare it that way, 
Enterprise doesn't seem, you know, Enterprise seems like maybe it wasn't where I wanted it to be, I guess. Well, uh, I mean, you guys, you guys but, have had these disk sets for a while, so I'm, I'm just kind of starting to go through the, the feature I was going through. I haven't gotten through all the featurettes that come on the sixth disk, but um, it's pretty interesting hearing about Braga, how their vision of this of this series was going to be a bit different than what ended up happening. I kind of think I would have liked to have seen that series. I think we alluded to it a, a few times, you know, where they wanted, yeah. they wanted to be, at least for part of one season, being on Earth and setting this all up and having political factions not saying that they don't want to go out in deep space and not and um i was interesting braga meant he brought up all the 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 time spatial time wars that they're having that was an idea he had for a whole nother series that he had to bring into this series because um you know the the networks wanted um futuristic stuff in this <laughs> in this series yeah. which didn't yeah. make sense to me i'm like well it is set 150 years in the future so it is futuristic but um yeah it's interesting to learn little things like that i think i would have liked to have seen that that series that um, Braga had talked about, what their original concept would have been for it. Yeah, I agree with that totally. I think if they were making the show today, they would have done that. Right. I mean, by today's standards, the show had fantastic ratings. You know, the cable show gets averages five million viewers. They would never cancel that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so yeah, you're right. You know, if we try to be completely objective and just compare like this first season to some of those other shows' first seasons. It's probably pretty solid. It's just that I think the – yeah, here's another way to look at it. Uh, the distance between the good ones and the bad ones, hmm. uh, Next Gen and DS9, nothing like this. I mean here we've, we've got you know, uh, Terra Nova and uh, – oh, what was the one? Rogue Planet hmm. and uh, – <laughs> You know, compare those to say, "Dear Doctor." That's an, that's an incredible dynamic range right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, well, look, well, look at there. So, we also had the Andorian incident. That was a pretty good episode. Yeah, no, I really like the way they brought back, you know, brought the Andorians in. You know, mm-hmm. there, there, there's so much good in this show, and and so much great setup, and so much good promise. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being very excited when I watched Shockwave, and uh, and feeling like you know maybe the first season. Wasn't quite what I hoped for, but I was sure sure was excited for the second season, you know. Uh, so they gave me that. They gave me enough in this season to make me excited about the concept and the premise, and then in a way that I was not when they first announced it. Um, but the the few episodes here that I really liked. Oh, Shuttlepod One is another one that I like. Maybe not quite as much as as, as Fallen Hero and Your Doctor, but uh, you know, these episodes that I liked, uh, they didn't really present something different for me, which is what they were trying to sell me with uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Enterprise, sorry. <laughs> um, Broken Bow maybe did. Um, so a lot of promise, a lot of hope. Um, and even if it didn't deliver on all that, it gave me enough that I... I left season one excited about season two, still having promise and hope, you know, uh, feeling promise and hope. So an, un, let's say an uneven season with some pretty high highs yeah. and a lot of promise for the future. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. 
You guys feel like we covered Enterprise Season 1? I think we did. Okay, folks. Um, thank you. We've got listeners that have listened to been listening to us for quite a while. Uh, and for those of you that just finished Enterprise's first season with us, thank you. Thank you very much for sticking around. Um, I'm excited to kick off Enterprise's second season in a couple of weeks. Let's see. You can send us emails. That's uh, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Uh, our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Um, if you got a few minutes and you want to help us out, if you leave a review for us on iTunes, that's how people find us. Um, we're just a couple months away from our uh, annual holiday episode where we don't do our normal shtick. Uh, maybe it'll be a good time to go through and, and read some uh, iTunes reviews if somebody has a chance to, to write some good ones. Um, so, thank you very much for spending your time with us, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.